how we celebrate, Lord, this day and the opportunities you give us to gather here in this small town with people all around the world in places large and small, urban and rural, with angel choirs and all those who've gone before, we give you thanks and praise for the privilege of worshiping and honoring you on Resurrection Sunday. So we pray that you'd hear our hearts, that you'd hear and see the expressions that we offer, that our life together as one people might truly bring glory and honor and praise to Jesus. Will you join me please in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us? If you don't know those words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for gathering this morning in worship here in several rooms and online. Thank you. For our church family and then for our guests, we've been in the book of Mark all through the season of Lent. Actually, we've been in it since the first week of January. So this is our 16th Sunday, looking at the book of, of Mark, the shortest of the Gospels. And we wanted to end up with some celebration today, and I have two desires as I speak for a few minutes with you, and there are two things I'd like to invite you to consider. The first thing I'd like to do is I'd like to invite us to actually move to a place where we'd only just believe, give mental assent, that Jesus has risen from the dead. But I'd like to invite you to start to act as though it were true for you. Not just providing mental assent, but to live as though I actually believe, I believe and I act that Jesus has risen from the dead. And the second thing I'd like to invite you to do is I'm gonna give a bit of an overview of, of what it is we're celebrating in this whole season of Lent and I'm gonna use some images. I'm, I wrote a, I've never done this before. I wrote a script, and then we have some pictures. We have pictures of the cosmos, and pictures of the Earth, and picture of a space, the, a space Hubble telescope, and an anthill, and a manger, and a cross, and an empty tomb. Two things, I'd like to invite you to take another step into actually believing and acting as though Jesus, I believe, you believe, we believe, Jesus actually rose from the dead. And the second thing is just to remind you the wonder of the story. Yesterday we practiced in the morning, and I, 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 was, I was surprised. When I wrote the script and we did it, we practiced it, I, uh, I just wept. I couldn't talk because the wonder of this story is beyond comprehension. But if I could be just a little bit bold with you and all of us, for many of us, we've heard this story over and over. But this is the thing that breaks my heart. We can know the story and it doesn't impact how we live. What do I mean? We often talk in churches like ours about the death of Christ and we need to and the cross of Christ and we must. But so I observe so many of us, we just stop there. And then we got, you know, I got our ticket and we're gonna to go to heaven and it's all good because I'm gonna to go to heaven someday, so it's all okay. 
But does the resurrection of Jesus impact how we live? See, that's what I'm poking at. That's what I'm going to beg of you. Let me just give you one sentence that I've been using over and over these last weeks. I would like to ask, and I'm, this is just me, that we don't use the word Christian around here anymore. The word Christian is so misunderstood and misused. And so many horrible things have been done in the name of Christian. I'm gonna, I'd like us to use the word disciple. The word Christian is in the Bible three times. And the first time it was used, it was like this. Oh, those are Christians, Christians. They're made fun of. But the word disciple is used hundreds of times. So what's a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows in the footsteps of her or his rabbi. Now listen, and the person does what the rabbi did and says what the rabbi said and thinks what the rabbi thought, listen now, easily, repeatedly, readily, as though Jesus were living his life in you. And that's a whole different thing than coming to church on Sunday morning and singing songs about the dead guy. Because, may just push, for many of us, he's still a dead guy. And this is just the museum, and I'm the professor, and here's the history book. And I want you to hear this morning that Jesus wants to live his life in you, in us. We can do this. The big word is sanctification. It is becoming like Jesus. Oh, I'm talking too much. Mark 16, open your Bibles, please. Get me all fired up. Acts chapter 16, I'm, like, I'm gonna actually start at 1542, because I wanna pick up where the worship leaders have led us, the burial of Jesus. The words are on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, I invite you to do as you choose. Matthew 15:42. It was the preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary, and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Let me just stop for a second. A tomb in that day in that, that we think Jesus is talking about here is the stone would be, the stone would be about this size. It would be in kind of a little runner, and it was always downhill. It took incredibly strong people to take this giant stone, get it in the trough, and cover the tomb. So now they're gonna go, oops. I'm gonna go. <laughs> they're gonna go to the tomb, what's gonna happen? Verse 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Why? Because they did not embalm. So already, Jesus' body would be decomposing and stinking. So they're bringing spices, they're bringing ointments, because they, they love Jesus. So, I want you to think about this. They love Jesus. Could you do this? 
Would you be willing to walk into a tomb where someone you loved has died and there's no one, and they smell. They're, they are decomposing. Would you be willing to go to that person, walk to them, cover them with ointments because you, you, you so love them? So I want you to get a sense. Do you sense the feeling in these hearts of these women? And then in the next verse, very early in the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which is very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw young men dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and now look at this word, they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, two times, frightened out of their skin. He said, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. If you read the Gospels, what was Jesus going to do? He was going to Galilee, and he was going to say to his buddies, let's have breakfast together. He went ahead of them to prepare breakfast. He loves these guys. He's going ahead. So that's what the angel said. Now verse 8, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So look at the words. They were alarmed twice. They were trembling. They were bewildered means they absolutely dumbfounded. And it says they were afraid. Now let me just stop because I'm going to try to bring some application to this. If you look over to our la the last two years of your life, if you look at COVID, if we look at all the challenges around race and racial reconciliation and the conversations about race in our country, if you think about the election, if you think about the economy, if you think about Ukraine and Russia, the war, and you think about all, what happened? Elon Musk buying Twitter. What? Do you get bewildered? Have you been bewildered? Have you been afraid? Have you been trembling? Let, let's, try, let's try to enter this story. Now, my question I'm going to poke at here now is, as you enter these last two years, if you think back, what kind of a follower of Jesus have you been? Now, if Jesus is a dead guy, you just got to figure it out. You got to be as smart as you can be. You got to get the best insights you can gain. You got to learn. Because we got to, we got to, because I got the ticket. I'm going to heaven when I die. But right now, it's all on me. I got to figure this out. But... If you believe Jesus is alive, if you believe Jesus is active in the lives of people today, including us, should we be less bewildered? Should we be less afraid? We should be, let me push. But what I observe, many of us, listen, are following a dead guy not a risen guy. Now, what am I talking about? I'm not talking, I'm talking about thinking now. May I, have, may I have slide four and then five, Fleet Morgan? So I reference in the passage, they were feeling alarm, strong anxiety. They were trembling. Their bodies were trembling. They were they dumbfounded. They were afraid. What were they thinking about? Now, I want to focus on the word thinking this morning. Thinking. 
What do you think they were thinking about? Could you ask yourself, in the past two years, what have you been primarily thinking about? Now, why is that important? Next slide. Watch this. This is controversial. Kevin K, trcpellet.com. Our thinking is important. Look at this next sentence. Our thinking is important because our primary contact with God, listen, is through the mind. And what we do with our minds is the most important choice we make. Why? Because where our minds go, we go. Our minds, in fact, are what we feel, what we think, what we desire, what we watch. Let me ask you this question. What has been informing your thinking? And this isn't, this, so you, you know, let me be the old guy for just a minute. My concern with all the screens, and we have so many screens, my concern with the screens is that we are letting the screens affect how we think. The screens are telling us how we think, which affects what we feel, what we desire, what we understand. And the scriptures say, be transformed. Be changed by the renewing of your... Put on the mind of Christ. Whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think about these things. Why? Because where our minds go is where we go. So, if Jesus is a dead guy, oh, doesn't really matter because I got the ticket. I stood in front of a church and I said, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to heaven. But we're missing the resurrection life. Please hear that. I want to say it again. My goal before I am no longer your pastor is that there will be a growing number of us who want to think like Jesus, who want to act like Jesus, who want to speak like Jesus as though he were living his life in us. And the scriptures say he is. Am I speaking the truth? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians 6, your bodies are dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm just thinking about a dead guy, but what if I actually believe? Now, let me go a little farther than this belief thing. I'm going to use intentional blindness. I was going to skip this, but let me go to it. Intentional blindness. Inattentional blindness. If you read all the gospel accounts, what happens when, what happens when Jesus shows up? They can't see him. Look at the accounts. Jesus is there, and, they can, and all of a sudden, they can, what, 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 is, what, what is inattentional blindness? Inattentional blindness is a psychological condition when what we have in our heads is so strongly attached that we cannot see something different that is standing right in front of us. Jesus is standing right in front of them, and they can't see it. Now, don't blame them. They're overcome. But let me ask you a question. If I asked you today, where can you see Jesus? Now, we just quoted the Apostles' Creed. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, right? In his body. The body of Jesus is in heaven. But we believe as Christians his spirit lives in us, right? Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? 
Christ in you. So where should we be able to see Jesus? Right here. Now, maybe not in Christians, but we will in disciples because we will say what Jesus said and we will think what Jesus thought and we will do what Jesus did because we know, listen, he wants to live his life in us and through us. Do you believe that? That's the resurrection life. So, slide number eight, Morgan. Recognizing the fact of the resurrection. We all come to church. Many of us come to church on Easter Sunday, all over America. What? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Recognize Jesus. <laughs> How many of us realize the power of the resurrection? There's a whole different thing going on here. The, demon, the demons know all about Jesus. The demon, in the gospel accounts, the demons are saying, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Do you know who Jesus is? But not just knowing it. Now, it, there's more. I'm, I'm going to take you one step further. Can I have, uh, I don't have it written down. Doggone it. It's not enough to believe it. Listen, listen long-time Christian people, listen to me. It's not enough to say I believe it. We act on it. We act on it. So let me give you an example. Multiple situations this week, like this one. Multiple situations. People come to see me as pastor and want to share life. I have permission to tell you this story of this man. Longtime church tender. Flaming mad at coworkers. Mad, mad, mad. Saying bad words about him, cussing him out, in behind their backs. Everything's bad. So the person comes to see me because coworkers said, you need to talk to Kevin. So he comes to see me, and he just saying all kinds of bad things. So I said to him, okay, I got a question for you. Do you call yourself a Christian? Hell yes. That's good. That's kind of good. <laughs> Heaven yes would have been better, but it's, it's pretty good. Okay, I said, all right, so tell me, what does it mean for you to be a follower of Jesus? Well, I go to church on Sunday. Okay. What else? Well, I put some money in the offering plate. Okay, that's, that's okay. What else? I'm going to heaven. So that's it. I said, okay, let me, may I, so we're friends. So I said, so let me ask you a question. If you're going to believe it, you have to act on it. What you think, you act on it. I said, what did Jesus say about an enemy? He's talking about coworkers. I said, Jesus said, if you have something against someone you work with or with, leave your gift on the altar and you go to that person and you begin the process of reconciliation. Huh, I ain't doing that, okay. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you call a brother or sister Raka, you fool, Jesus, Jesus, I'm quoting Jesus. Jesus said, you are in trouble with the fires of hell. Jesus said that. Well, what else did Jesus say? He says to me, well, Jesus said, if your enemy causes you to be forgiving, how often do you forgive? Well, I'm going to forgive you. So what did Jesus say? 
70 times 7. Do you see, understand what I'm illustrating here? Go to church forever. It has no impact on how this person lives. Really? Really? You mean what I say and what I think and what I do does not need to represent Jesus in any way and I call myself a Christian? Is that right? Church, is that right? Is that right? So why do we do it? Because we think about the dead guy and we don't think and believe in the living guy and we don't act on it. We are invited to do what Jesus did. We are invited to say what Jesus said. We are invited to express his life as though he were living it in us. Now follow me, stay with me. How does that happen? So let me give you a couple of frames. Let me, let me mess with you and come back in the coming months. How about this phrase? In this life, you are training for reigning. Genesis 1, end of the book, end of the Bible. You and I are being prepared. This life, this life, follow me, stay with me. This life is practice for what is to come. Our character is being developed. Our gifts are being enhanced. Listen to me, everybody, because you will take with you in the next life what you've been developing here, little or small. What did Jesus say? The one who lives and believes in me will never die. We just transition from this life to the next, and who you are here will bring along there. So I want to just play with this with you. So can you imagine, people say, how can, how can God let anybody go to hell? Well, let me ask you this question. If someone wants nothing to do with Jesus here, why would they want to spend eternity with Jesus there? Yes? Because Jesus is the deal. Jesus will be absent. There is so much to come that we will be part of, those who are in Christ. It's, it's beyond comprehension. And so we have opportunity in this life to be like Jesus. And I'll go, let me go farther with you. I believe in the life to come, the new heaven and new earth. We don't just get, go through the car wash. Ta-da! Everything's fine. I think we will increasingly over time, over millennia, over centuries, over eons, we will increasingly over time ever become more like Jesus. It's not just do the car wash, everything's done. No, no, it's, it's this incredible journey. And we started here. He's alive. He's alive in you, in us, here, now. And what we do here affects what we do there. Yes? Let me go a little different direction. Number nine. And then I gotta go a different place. Jesus' resurrection from the dead offers us the power and the privilege to think, speak, and act as he would if he were living his life in us. How does that happen? So one of the things we're gonna work on together, Lord willing, starting in the fall, we started a little bit in the past, but we're gonna start as a congregation 
I'm going to invite us in every series that we are all going to memorize passages of Scripture. We're going to start with Matthew 5, Lord willing, 3 through 10. Why? Because when the words of Christ dwell in us richly, we begin to think on his words and we begin to act and obey what he says. After that, we're going to go to in Advent, Lord willing, John chapter 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, we're going to memorize Scripture. In the New Year's, we're going to have a New Year, we have a, a relationship on, on a series on relationships, and we're going to memorize the passage of 1 Corinthians. Why? Why? Please hear me. <laughs> Talking to Christians now. Bad word, Christians. You got to get the word in your heart and your head. It's got to become part of us. We cannot become like Jesus if we don't have the words of Jesus in us. Amen? So we don't, don't just amen, you got to do it. We got to figure out as you're wired, as you're fixed, as God made you, how can you get the words? What else? We need more of the Spirit. So things like confessing our sins. You know, you want, you want to get free in Jesus? Confess your sins out loud to somebody. Someone came to see me this week, and the desire was to confess some very specific sins. And I will guarantee you that when we work through this process, this person is going to soar. They're going to soar. You want to be like Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? Father... Forgive them. They don't know what they were doing. And Jesus easily, repeatedly forgave those who hated him. We can do this too. His words, his spirit, and then we need fellow, we need people. People with whom we actually share life. Now let me talk to the younger generations. Older folks, our children and grandchildren are watching us. Now, if we're going to do this Christian two-step, two, two and we're going to talk about Jesus on Sundays and live like idiots the rest of the week, our kids and grandkids will leave the faith. They are leaving the faith. Let me tell you the greatest, latest number. Latest number. America in the United States of America. The best figure we can find is 17% of American people go to church occasionally. Occasionally. They, there's just, there's just, there's, no, there's no sense of, the, not, church isn't the end all. Don't hear what I'm saying. I'm just saying is that we have, a, kids are just saying, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm not putting up with a bunch of hypocritical crap, watching my parents do crazy things. By the way, what are the young people telling us about phones? I'm watching my old man and my old lady. They're teaching me how to use my phone. Come on. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus act? Is that happens when our generations see us actually living the life of Jesus. People are going to go nuts. They want to participate because they, that's the kingdom of God. i got to change. Let me go to my... So what I've been trying to do for the last 18 minutes is just encourage us to think on the resurrection of Jesus and to pray that we will act on what he has said. The risen Christ. Now I'm gonna try my script. 
Can I have the last slide, please, Morgan? I've got a number of things I'd like to try to use to talk about this whole season from Advent to Lent. So I've written something pretty brief, but I have some pictures. And so what you're gonna see is some pictures of the cosmos, a picture of the Earth, a picture of the Hubble Space Telescope, a picture of an anthill, a manger, manger, a cross, an empty tomb. So I'm gonna try now for a few moments, just stay with me, to give you the big picture of Jesus. It is said that from the Rocky Mountains, we can see several thousand stars with the naked eye on a clear night. All the stars we can see belong to the Milky Way galaxy. The galaxy which we see includes 100 billion stars, including an average-sized one that planet Earth orbits around. It's called the Sun. Our galaxy has plenty of room. 26 trillion miles separate our sun from the star nearest it. And traveling at the speed of light, which I think is 185,000 miles a second, it would take 25,000 years to reach the center of, the, of our Milky Way. In 1985, a scientist proposed pointing the Hubble Space Telescope at one dark spot the size of a grain of sand. One spot the size of a grain of sand to see what lay behind the darkness. For 10 days, the telescope orbited the Earth and took long exposure images of that spot. The result has been, and I quote, the single most important image ever taken, which would astonish anyone, everyone. It turns out that one tiny spot contained 3,000 galaxies. Now I want you to think about a sewing needle. Imagine we had a large sewing needle. Take that sewing needle and put it an arm's length from your face. Pretend you have perfect vision and you can look through that needle. As you looked up into the sky, if you moved it one inch to the right, you would see 10,000 more galaxies. One more inch, you'd see 10,000 more galaxies. One more inch, 10,000 more galaxies. You move an inch to the left, 10,000 more. Listen to this now. There are more than one trillion galaxies, and each one has between 100 and 200 billion stars. Do you have a sense of the scope of this thing? Listen to this. Now here's the wonder of the incarnation. This is the wonder of the circle of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and what happened with Jesus. In an act of humility and love beyond comprehension, the triune God, listen, of a trillion galaxies, each with more than 100 billion stars, condescended to come to this small, rebellious planet. It's a 
it just blow your mind? So let's get some let's get our some sense of this though. Would you think about an anthill? So what would happen if one of us became the size of an ant? So do you see the image? Listen to this. What if a person became an ant, lived in an ant colony, was killed by the ants, and then is raised from the dead? Does this story just blow your mind? For God so loved this stinking little world that he sent his son here. How about these words? How we long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save us and walk for all eternity. Oh, there will be a day when we will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So today, let it be today, we shout the hymn of heaven angels and saints and all who've gone before, we raise a mighty roar. Glory to our God who gives us life beyond the grave. Holy, holy, holy.